0: chapter 4, we'll begin to read in verse number 2, Colossians 4 and verse 2, and this morning I want to speak to you on this subject, redeeming the time, redeeming the time, Colossians chapter 4, we'll begin to read in verse number 2, I invite you to stand this morning, all those that can and are able and honor and reverence for the reading of God's word, we're in Colossians chapter 4, begin to read in verse number 2, the Bible says these words, continue earnestly, In prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us this morning and challenge us. God, I pray if there's, again, one among us who's never been saved, that, God, this would be the day that they would turn from sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. And, Father, I pray that as Satan seeks to sow into our hearts and lives daily as disciples and lost people too, uh, God, that one of the greatest lies of the devil, that there's there's always more time. God, I pray you will remind us today that we're never promised tomorrow. And God, I pray each and every day, Lord, we will redeem the time to the honor and glory of you and the building of your kingdom. And God, I pray that no one will waste the opportunities that are theirs today. Father, speak to us clearly. Draw us into your will. And God, I pray as we come to a time of invitation, that which you desire to accomplish, in our lives will be done today as we bow our knee to your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I will invite you to be seated. We well, were concluding a study that we started um, several, several weeks ago in the book of Colossians. Remember that Paul's wrapping up this letter to the church in Colossae. It was a church that had been grounded uh, through ministry and through evangelism faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word and so paphras had lived on mission as he had received the word and now a church has been planted there in colossae and so the book of colossians is written to address again primarily uh, the false doctrine of gnostics they were sharing false truths about christ and so the greatest way to address false truth is with truth and so Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes them a letter. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and 2 contain more biblical doctrine about Christ in one place than anywhere you'll find in all of the Bible. But in chapters 3 and 4, Paul begins to turn from doctrine to duty. It's not enough just to know God's Word. For it to be of benefit, uh, you've got to put it in to practice. And so that's what he begins to challenge them to do in chapters three and four, for the, for the word of God uh, to really be uh, evident in their, their life and in the lives of others. And so in the latter part, though, of verse number five, we find really three really interesting words. Look at, look at our text this morning, Colossians chapter four, the last three words in verse number five. Paul writes, redeeming uh, the time. And so he has several things that he wants to say in these verses, but they really revolve around these three words. It's a challenge to to redeem the time. James chapter 4 and verse number 14. James writes a a great truth concerning time uh, that we're so often called into a devil's life thinking that we've got more time. But really James shares that we don't. Verse 14 of James chapter 4 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it it vanishes away. Uh, I don't want to make, uh, Rex didn't cry when old Yeller died, but I don't want to make Angel uh, tear up uh, this morning, but you know, they can probably look back on Lily's life, of when life started, uh, when life began, and really just how quickly life has gone by. Remember in those kindergarten days when Angel cried her eyes out when she walked off uh, to kindergarten, uh, and then just to watch her grow and develop as a younger... But really, if you think about it, it seems just, angel seems just like that, doesn't it? Rex, it seems just like, seems just like that. And if we look back over our lives, friend, and, and see the various scenes in our lives, I don't care how many years you have behind you, be honest this morning, it really, it seems, it seems just like that. Life is just a vapor, the Bible says. We're here for just a moment, and then we're gone. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 78, and in verse number 39 speaking of God's mercy toward Israel, says, but he, this is the Lord, for he remembered that they were but flesh, a breath that passes away and doesn't come again. That's what our lives are. Though I don't care how many years you have, that's really what our lives are in the grand scheme of eternity. We're just a breath that's here for a moment, and then it's gone. It, it's, it's with that backdrop in mind that Paul bears out these words, redeeming the time." He says, make the most of your life. Make the most of ministry. Make the most of every single moment for God's glory and for kingdom work. And so in this text, Paul's going to address four areas of, of the lives of the believers at Colossae that they need to make the most of every day for God's glory. But, but with that in mind, I just want to bear out as we're thinking about life and our life. You know, because you're hearing a lot in the news right now about my body. My body, and in my, no, no hands on my body. And really, that same thought has crept into contemporary Christian culture, but really it's been around for over 2,000 years. People think, you know, my life, my life, my family, my life, my possessions. Well, Paul, really, you know, in, in, to, to a very selfish, self focused church, In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, listen to what he says in verse number 19 20. Just to really lay out again about, really, if you've been saved, say amen. amen. Who your life and everything that is consisted in it really belongs to. Paul says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That means if you've been saved, it belongs to him who is in you whom you have from God. He says, now listen to this. He says, you're not your own. He says, as we're talking about your life, he says, you don't have a life. Paul's reminding us again that when you chose Jesus Christ, when you turned from sin and you received him to be Lord of your life, that's the last decision that you ever made for yourself. For your life belongs to Christ. Why? Verse 20. He says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now listen, he says, which are God's. It's not your life. It's not your body. And so Paul, with that same thought, says, make the most of every day of your life. In four areas, he says, to do that. Number one, they were to redeem the time in their prayers. In their prayers. Look again in verse number 2 of Colossians uh, chapter 4. He says, continue earnestly in the prayer. And I'll submit to you that prayer is probably the most neglected discipline in our spiritual lives. It's the one first off that you'll begin to slack off in, but really it's one of the most important disciplines in our spiritual life. And so Paul lays out several things that should be a part of a disciplined prayer life. Uh, that is focused on to where we redeem the time in our prayer life. First off, he says, our prayer life, he says, we're we're to continue in that. So first mark of our prayer life is it it should be consistent. It should not be, you know, the glass that we break or, you know, I've had to dial 911 a couple times. But, you know, I never dial 911 just to see how the operator's doing there at the emergency center. Um, They don't want you to do that. You know, the only time you dial 911 is when there's an emergency, when you need them to call someone to help you, or you're reporting that there's someone who needs help. And I fear because I see it and I've experienced it. If you'll be honest, you have to. That's the way a lot of people treat their prayer life. You know, the only time we call heaven that we call upon the Lord is when we've got an emergency and we need him. But Paul says that's not the way it's supposed to be. He says we're, we're to continue in prayer. Now, you may be looking at translations translation this morning, That's all it says. But in the Greek, that word continue literally means there's, there's a word there that's to describe that. It's to be an earnest continuation. You're to continue earnestly in prayer. So our, our prayer life should be marked by consistency. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we're to pray always. But then secondly, our prayer life should be marked by a sense of earnestness. And that word means Seriously, look against your text. He says, continue earnestly in prayer. Uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse number 44. As the, The cross was before our Lord, and remember, friend, the cup was before our Lord. My sin and your sin were before Jesus. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44 that being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And here's a demonstration of how he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Anybody, you know, that earnest last week in your prayer? That it looked like that? Such was as it was for our Lord. Paul says we're we're to pray, we're we're daily to redeem the time in our prayer lives. We're to pray consistently and we're to pray earnestly, but continue to look at verse number 2 of chapter 4 of the book of Colossians. He says we're also to be vigilant in our our prayer life. That is to be careful with, with we're, we're to watch. First Peter chapter five and verse number eight says, be sober and be vigilant, literally be, be sober minded because we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Friend, I guarantee you, I, listen, I don't care how nutty the tree hugger was. If somebody got dropped in a foreign part of the Saharan Africa, and to walk around with no weapons, I promise you, you wouldn't be skipping through the countryside of Africa that was loaded with lines like, you know, you were to buy one, get one sale uh, for, for gas. You wouldn't. You, you would be sober-minded. You would be very vigilant about what was taking place because at any moment, friend, that could be your last breath because, friend, then you weren't going to be a blessing. You were going to be lunch. And, friend, the Bible reminds us here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we need to be sober and be vigilant because if you're not, listen, you're going to be lunch for the devil. You're going to be lunch. And so our, our, th- that spiritual threat in our life shouldn't be something that we're flippant or we're casual about, but we should be careful and we should be watchful. So our prayer life should be. But our prayer life should also be marked by thankfulness. Look at your text again, Colossians chapter. 4 and verse 2 continue earnestly in prayer be vigilant in it with thanksgiving a colossians chapter 2 and verse 7 paul says our faith should be rooted and built up in christ established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in your personal walk with thanksgiving our lives should be marked by thanksgiving, and really our lives should be marked by thanks living we're to live out that thankfulness but we're to pray daily, our our prayer life should be marked by by thanks. Friend, listen, prayer is a privilege. It's a privilege. And so we should demonstrate that we're thankful for it every day by it being a reality in our life. But also, he says, their prayer life, it should be marked by intercession. Look what the Bible says in verse number 3. He says, meanwhile, also praying for us. Paul says, if you can't remember anything to pray for, Paul says, pray for me. And, you know, and I'll say this morning, friend, you know, when it comes time for you to pray every day, and again, we're to pray without ceasing, you say, oh, I just don't know what to pray for. Pray for your pastor. I'll take it. Friend, listen, there's, there's nothing wrong about hoarding prayers. You know, if you want somebody, to, and, and be, be wise to tell people that, hey, listen, I'll pray for you, you pray for me. Paul says, remember, when Paul wrote this, he was in prison. He says, I want you to, to pray to pray for us. And then he says, and, and then to be very specific about those prayers. We're to pray consistently, earnestly. We're to be vigilant. We're to be thankful. We're to intercede. But also, be specific. Don't just have these random, and you, you know it. You know, God, thank you for your blessings. And God, thank you for Jesus. And God bless all the missionaries. Amen. That's not not the way we're to pray. We're to be very specific in the things that we're to intercede for. Paul says, when you're praying for us, don't just say, you know, God, we, we, we pray you'll touch Paul. Paul says, we've got some needs. Look at verse number three. He says, pray that God would open to us a door for the word. Paul says, pray that we'll speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. He says, I'll make manifest as I ought to speak. Paul says, as you pray, he says that we have some specific needs. And friend, listen, you, you, if you're not, you can't focus in something if you're not being specific. You ever begin to talk to someone, you know, you'll call them on the phone, and you know you've called them at a bad time because they just start rambling all over the place. You hear pots and pans, and then there'll be a long pause, and then they'll start back up, um... So so anyway, and you know, you just and then you you just be very kind and say, "Look, I can tell this probably isn't a good time to have called you, because I'll just call you back. I'll just call you back later." And friend, listen, you'll be that same way in your prayer life if you're not laser focused and being specific. You know that as you read your Bible every morning, and I pray you are, and then you go to the Lord in prayer. You know that as you begin to pray and to go through things that are on the list, things that are on your heart your mind will begin to drift off into all these things. Is it time to get the oil? T- when am I supposed to get my tires rotated? Is that be- Did I pay that bill? Be- oh, and God, pray for sister so-and-so. She's, she's dealing with this. And pray for brother John in, in this. And When is that doctor's appointment? Did they call? And you know your mind is going there. Friend, listen. You've got to keep diving in and be laser focused in the things that you're praying for. Paul says we're to pray daily and we're to do so in such a way that we redeem the time in our life as we do that. Secondly, not only did he speak about their prayers, but also he spoke about their their practice. He says redeem the time in your your practice. Well, look what the Bible says in verse number 5 of Colossians chapter 4. He says we're to walk in wisdom. What are we talking about practice? We're talking about your lived out testimony every, every day. He says you're, you're to live out biblical truth. Romans chapter 8 verses 4 through 6 say this, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now listen, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Paul says we're to, we're to walk in wisdom every day. Well, what kind of wisdom? would I found on a fortune cookie or uh, what I found in the farmer's almanac or just something that grandma said that was passed down for years? No, friend, we're to walk out the Word of God. Our lives are to be a living demonstration of God's Word. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. Don't be just a hearer, but be a, to be a doer. Paul says you're to redeem the time daily that you have. The life that God has given you, you're to live out every single moment of every day. You're to, you're to live it out in wisdom. What kind of wisdom? The, the wisdom of God's Word. There should be nothing done in our life that is contrary to the Word of God. And friend, if there is, you need, you need to get it out. He says before, and, and, and we do it, look what the Bible says in verse number 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. What's he talking about? He's talking outside of the faith. Those who've never been saved. Those who've never repented and turned to Christ. He says we're, we're told to live in such a way that it demonstrates what a, what a changed life looks like what well, the life of surrender is and, and what it is. Remember Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse number 1, he told the church at Corinth, he says, imitate me. He, says, you, you, he was speaking to a church who, who had forgotten what their calling was. They look more like the world now than they did like Christ. And Paul says, imitate me. But then he follows up with this. He says, because I'm imitating Christ. And that's what Paul is saying here in verse number 4. He says, redeem every single one. Realize that there are people who are watching you. But friend, listen, if you're so self-focused, if you're so concerned with self, and all of these things that Satan tries to get us entangled in that really have no eternal value whatsoever, you'll forget what your life spiritually is really all about. And it's to live on mission, to reach people for Christ. And so Paul says... Practice the Word of God daily. Go back to Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17. That, that's that threefold test. That, friend, listen, God in His goodness, God in His grace, and God in His mercy sent us for those areas where the Word of God is silent. You know, those three, when it comes to things in word or deed, number one, can I sign Christ? Well, let's, let's just look at the verse again. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the first test is, you know, it's something I'm going to do, and then we're going to look at speech in just a minute. Can, can, I, can I sign Jesus' name to it? Can I, can I do this in his authority? And then secondly, can I, can I do it in his power? In the name of Christ bears two things, authority and power. And then secondly, is it something I can trust the Holy Spirit to empower me to do? And then third, is it going to glorify God? So that's a threefold test. Can can I do it in Christ's authority? Can I expect him to empower me to do it? Can I do it in his power? And then third, is this really going to glorify Jesus Christ? Paul says you need to remember that life is fleeting. And the time that you have, he says, you need to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. You need to be a living demonstration of God's word. I want to remind you, there there are five Gospels. There's not four. There's the Gospel of Matthew. There's the Gospel of Mark. There's the Gospel of Luke. There's the Gospel of John. You say, well, what's the fifth one? It's the Gospel according to you. It's the Gospel that you live. It's the good news that you live out every single day. It has to be marked by God's Word. For, For the Apostle Paul, it was simple. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. Paul said this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And so every time Satan tried to bring something before Paul's eyes and before Paul's life that could derail him from the calling of God on his life, what God had called him to do, Paul says, No, I, I don't exist anymore. I've died. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I have have nothing else to do except but to live for Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 14. Paul says, but God forbid that I should boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He says that there's nothing else I can boast in except the cross. So Paul says when when you focus that way, when it's all about Jesus, when it's all about the calling of Christ on your life, you don't want anything to be done indeed in your life that you can't sign Christ's name to, you can't do in His power, and doesn't glorify God, then you'll redeem the time daily as it comes to your your walk. You, You can practice God's Word to be a daily practical demonstration of surrender to the life of Jesus Christ lived through you. Just a practical demonstration. I want to ask you, friend, think about this. If people followed you daily, where would they end up? Paul says, follow me. He says, I'll lead you to the life of Christ because it's not about me. He says, I'm following Jesus. If People follow you. Where will they where will they end up so he speaks first about their prayers redeem the time in your prayer life then their their practice but then third I want you know there's their pronunciation We're, we're talking about speech I'm not talking about ain't and can't and Paul wasn't talking about ain't and can't but he was talking about way and words the way we speak and the words that we speak. Look what the Bible says in verse number six of Colossians chapter four. He says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. He says, So let. Listen, that, that renders that it's it's a choice. You have a, you have a choice that you're gonna have to make as it concerns your speech. He says, Let your speech always be. why don't you to know it's a choice, but it's also a command. You have a choice, but you don't have a choice. You've you've got a choice as to whether you pay your taxes or not, but you really don't have a choice as to whether you pay your taxes or not. There's a choice, but there's not a choice, right? And so, friend, you have a choice as to whether you're going to speak this way, but you really don't have a choice because you're going to be held accountable to God. He says, let your speech, but notice this, always and look there in the text there's no asterisks there's no c sub paragraph 3.4-9 where there's a list of all of these exceptions where this could happen paul says let your speech always be with grace in the story he says let your speech always be marked first off with grace that is god's undeserved favor and kindness so our, our, the way we speak and the words that we speak should demonstrate the grace of God. Now, I want to say with that, listen, never at the cost of truth. Never at the cost of truth and never to the point of flattery. You've heard before, kill them with kindness. Friend, that is absolute sin. That is Flattery is to say something to someone's face you'd never say behind their back. Gossip something you say behind someone's back you'd never say to their face. And so our, our, our speech toward people should be marked by grace, by, by, by God's undeserved favor. But, but it should also never be at the cost of truth. You can speak truth to someone and still not be hateful to them. And so Paul says, let, let your speech always be with grace. You're to redeem the time daily. You're to make the most of every single moment... Every single second that you have within the day, and our, our, the way we speak to others, it should be marked with grace. But not only that, it should be seasoned with salt. Remember that Numbers chapter 18, verse 19, Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 13. It, it gave instruction to the nation of Israel of how their sacrifices, there was, there was a covenant of salt. Several weeks ago in Second uh, Kings chapter 2, we saw Elisha begin his ministry. And we saw the first miracle that the Lord performed through him. It was a purification of a well at Jericho. Remember, Jericho had been an accursed city. Jericho had been reestablished at the cost of a man's children, exactly the way the Lord had said it would happen. But now there was this new opportunity for a new beginning. And so Jer- uh, Elisha took uh, salt and he purified that well that had been bitter. With the salt, it, was, it wasn't the salt, but it was, it was the miracle of what God did. But the salt represented uh, that it was purified now. It was preserved, and it was, it was flavored. And Paul says, so our, li- our speech should be flavored with salt. Our speech should, should be purified by God's Word. It should be preserved by God's Word. It all be flavored by God's Word. Our speech should be a blessing to other people. It should influence. It should preserve. But if it doesn't have that, then it won't be a blessing. He says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. And then look here, he says, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Our speech should also be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We should be completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit of how we should answer each person. Luke chapter 12 Uh, verses 11 and 12, Uh, Jesus says, now when they bring you into the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, he says, don't worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. Now Christ was telling the disciples from the very beginning, listen, ministry is going to be difficult. You're going to have an enemy, and you're going to have those who aren't going to want to receive the word that I'm going to speak through you. He says, and some of you, Paul knew this, this is one of the prison epistles in in the, the book of Colossians. He said, you're going to stand before magistrates. You're going to stand before those who hate the Word. He says, don't have pat answers. Don't have a card that you're going to pull out that says, you know, well, for for this. You know, when when, when a pilot goes through uh, pre-flight, they get out a big book, and they begin to go through and make sure everything's working exactly the way that it's supposed to. Well, they also have another book. When things start tearing up and falling apart, they don't have to sit up there and go, well, what am I supposed to do right now? They can go to a book and it tells them exactly things that they need to start going through. Listen, friend, you you and I don't have that privilege. Certainly the Word of God tells us the direction we should go, things we're to do, things we're not to do. But the Word of God doesn't have a verse for every single single response that we're supposed to have. Jesus is saying here that our speech is to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't worry about what we should answer, what we should say. Verse 12, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The question is whether you're teachable. And then secondly, have you hidden God's Word in your heart so that you can know what verse you need to respond with and what truth? He says, so our speech should be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, driven by and grounded in God's Word. Go back to the test again, Colossians 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word or deed, he says, here's the threefold test. Are these words that I'm about to speak, can I literally sign Jesus' name to it? Can I literally say, how I'm about to respond is exactly how Christ would speak. Can I entrust the, the Holy Spirit to empower me as I'm going to say these words to this person? And it's what I'm going to say, is it going to glorify Jesus Christ? If you're not to remind us again the day in which we're living, you don't just speak with your lips. I'd say more people do speaking through their thumbs and their fingertips than they do with their lips. Is what I'm about to text or type is what I'm about to put a check mark beside. Can I do it in the name of Jesus Christ? Can I expect Christ to empower me as I do this? And will it glorify Jesus Christ? says we're, we're to redeem the time every day. Not, not only in our prayers, not only in our practice, but in our pronunciation, our, our speech. It should honor and glorify Jesus Christ. Because, friend, listen, there'll come a day when we'll never be able to speak a word for Jesus Christ again. So we should redeem, we should redeem the time. But then fourth, and I close, he challenges them concerning redeeming the time with their profession. This, this is their, their testimony. Sharing the faith. Look what Paul says in verse number 3. Paul says, meanwhile, praying for us, now we've looked at the prayer request, but let's look at it from Paul's side. Paul says, meanwhile, pray for us. Well, who's us? It's Paul and everybody that was with him while he was in prison. He said, pray for us that while I'm in prison and all these lost people around us, that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ. He says, for which I'm also in chains. Paul says, Paul says pray for our profession of the faith that, that I make manifest as I ought to speak. He said, I can clearly share the gospel with each need and in each situation. So we looked at the intercession for his profession, but but now now Paul's in prison, and he he wants to keep living on mission. He says, pray for us that God will open doors for the word while I'm here, for the guard that I'm going to speak to, the next ruler I'm going to have to talk to. Paul says, "We're, we're praying for that, but Paul says, I want to redeem the time that I don't miss this. Paul's in prison, but while he's there, he doesn't want to miss one single opportunity to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the way you've got... You may be in a place today, it seems like a prison to you, and you don't want to be there. But, friend, God has allowed it. Redeem the time. You don't know who you're going to be able to witness to, to challenge, to be a blessing to in some way. And so look for those open doors. Look for those opportunities. Look for those, 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 those chances to share God's Word. As, as Paul closed out the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, also on the prison epistles, listen to what he says. Paul says, "...praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints." Paul says, now listen to what he says. He says, "...and for me." that utterance may be given to me. What's he talking about? He says, my profession of faith. He says, pray that God will give me opportunity to speak the gospel, to tell people the hope that is in my heart, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly, he says, to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul says, listen, friend, he wasn't in jail again, friend, listen, because he had broken the law in some way. He was in jail for speaking the gospel. And Paul says, pray that God will give me more opportunities to speak the gospel. Friend, what Satan wants to do in many ways is to get you so busy and so self-focused and so self-consumed because that's the world. That You don't see all the people that are dying and going to hell. You don't see your own family that's under your own roof that's dying and going to hell. And because of that, then you're not burdened. Paul says, I'm I'm praying that you'll redeem the time. You'll seize every moment of every day, and you you will profess to others the hope that's within your heart. He says, "You'll, you'll you'll seize those chances. And one of the reasons why, friends, is because Paul never got over, Paul never got over the calling that God had placed on his life. Listen to verse 4 again. He says, I may make manifest, he says, as I ought to speak. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. God God told Ananias, he says, I want you to go find Saul. He's going to be Paul. He says, because he is my chosen vessel to bear my name to the Gentiles. That's what God called Paul to do specifically, was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And my friend, he has called the church to live on mission. He's, he's given you a, a calling within the local church that is tied to the Great Commission. He's given you a spiritual gift to accomplish that calling within the life of the church. But if you're so busy, if you're so selfish, if you're so self-focused, friend, and you, get, you just get wrapped around the axle, just rolling down the road, living every day for self, you will not redeem the time, and you'll miss those opportunities to profess to others that Jesus is Lord, They need to turn and receive Christ. Paul professed at all times what the life of total surrender to Christ's lordship looked like. John Phillips wrote a hypothetical story, and it really is something to think about. I mean, it'd be quite a blessing and not a problem you'd want to try to deal with. Imagine that a very wealthy person came to you and said, listen, I want to be a blessing to you. From this day forward, as long as you live, $1,440 are going to be on your doorstep every single morning. Anybody want to turn away from that? I think not. Man, $1,440 every day on your doorstep. He says, but now here's the key. You have to spend it before the day is over. You can't hoard it. You can't save it. What you don't spend today, it's gone. Man, think about that. Think about, some of you just thought about it. You know, think about all the things I could do personally with $1,440 every day. Well, there's more to the story. Also, the man says, but now at the end of your life, there's going to be a strict accounting because we're going to keep up with what you did with the money. That $1,440, she said, there's going to be a strict accounting at the end of your life of what you did with that. Think about that, friend. All the potential, all the opportunity, all the good that could be done with $1,440 every single day. is that something? Think, isn't, that, isn't that something? Friend, I want to tell you something. That's a hypothetical, but this is a truth. God has given you 1,440 minutes every single day to live for Him. Your prayer life to draw closer to Him, to intercede on the behalf of others. The practice of your life to live out what a life of full surrender to Christ's Lordship looks like. At all times, To use those 1,440 minutes every single day that make up a 24-hour period. And how you speak to to, to be gracious to others. To speak truth, to speak the Word of God into their lives. To be a blessing. And also, friend, to, to, to share with others verbally what Jesus Christ has done. But though it's hypothetical about the money, I want you to listen to me, child of God. Listen you will give a strict accounting. God has given you 1,440 minutes every single day. And at the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 15, you're going to give an account with what you did those minutes. That's what Paul's trying to remind them of. He says, you need to redeem the time. Because the devil says, spend it on yourself. Spend it on you. You're important. You're what matters. God wants you to be happy. All these things, friends, are trying to cause you to turn away from that. But you need to remember, you're going to give an account to God for how you use those minutes every day. So my challenge to you this morning, church family, is this. Redeem the time. Do it in such a way that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ in all ways. Because there's going to come a day that you're going to stand before Christ And you will give an account for what you did with those mints. You can't take them with you. You can't keep them. You've got to use every moment, every day to the honor and glory of Jesus. Redeem the time. Let's bow our heads and close your eyes. The judgment seat of Christ. You're going to give an account as a child of God. Why don't you listen to me? Revelation chapter 20 says this. For those who have never been saved you'll give an account too. Of the 1,440 minutes every day you had to turn from sin and receive Jesus Christ, but you wouldn't do it. The countless times you sat through services just like this and invitations, when the Spirit of God was calling you to turn and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life, but you squandered those opportunities, you didn't redeem the time if you're lost this morning you've never been saved don't do that anymore redeem this opportunity choose to turn from your sin and self and by faith trust jesus to be lord of your life today christ died for you he loves you he wants to give you life and life more abundantly his holy spirit will come live in your heart and help you to live this kind of life that paul challenged the church at Colossae to experience but you can't have that power you won't turn and receive Christ to be Lord of your life if you've never done that do it right now where you sit pray just like this but mean it with all your heart say God forgive me a sinner I believe Christ died for me I turn from my sin I turn to Jesus in saving faith Jesus be Lord of me make me now to the man and woman you want me to be and help me to live this life that Paul wrote about today and to redeem the rest of every minute of my life to the glory of God and the upbuilding of your kingdom. That's my prayer. Did you pray that? Did you mean it? I want to invite you to make your way forward. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If you prayed that prayer, you've trusted Christ to be Lord of your life. I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. The church family, would you be honest this morning? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Has the Spirit of God convicted you? You've been wasting some time. Selfishly, you're using time that should be devoted to Christ and His service on yourself and things that have no eternal value whatsoever. Well, friend, yesterday's gone, but the day is before us. Seize this opportunity for a fresh reconsecration to Christ's Lordship. That was Paul's challenge to the church at Colossae. Redeem the time, so redeem this opportunity for a fresh new beginning and surrender to Christ's lordship where you choose and you purpose that you're going to make the most of every single minute of the rest of your life for the glory of God and the upbuilding of his kingdom. Father, I pray you'll speak to your church, challenge us, other needs that are represented here today. Father, there may be one among us, they've been saved but they've never been baptized to show what you've done in their life it's the first act of obedience in the life of a a believer I pray they'll choose that God you may be leading a church family this is a a, a family this is the church family that they're to come and to link their life with and to to help us in great commission work as we seek to follow you in your direction for your church family here at Greenwood I pray they'll be obedient to that today we simply pray that your spirit would speak your will into our lives and we'll redeem this moment we won't waste it Christ's best will be done in our life as we submit ourselves to his will today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet, heads are